This episode of the My Hockey Life podcast is brought to you by the Nolan Insurance Company. Since being founded in 1933 by James J. Nolan Sr., Nolan Insurance Company has been family-owned and operated by the Nolan family. Throughout our 85 years, our vision and mission has remained the same, to take care of our customers using a strong work ethic and family values to treat you, our customer, as a member of our Nolan Insurance family. Our experienced team can analyze your insurance needs and suggest the best options for your home and auto insurance, commercial insurance, and much more. As an independent agency, we have only your best interests in mind. You'll find our dedicated staff is friendly, knowledgeable, and ready to help at any of our three locations. The Nolan Insurance Company. Welcome back to the My Hockey Live podcast. My name is Brandon Hall. I'm pleased to be joined today by Jake Levin. Jake of the Boston Globe and My Hockey Live broadcasts. Uh, you can find Jake's work on Twitter at Jake T. Levin. Jake, welcome back. Brandon, good to be back. Jake, we wanted to take a look today at uh, the ever-changing landscape of Massachusetts high school hockey. Here we have uh, the boys' hockey rankings from January 16th, so uh, exactly seven days ago. Uh, number one seed in the Boston Globe's boys' rankings was Zavarian High School. Zavarian Brothers High School. Number two was Catholic Memorial. Number three, Arlington High School. Number four, Boston College High School. And number five was Pope Francis. So we had four Catholic schools in there and the one, uh, the one public, Arlington. My, oh my, how things change in one week. Yeah, it's been kind of a cursed uh, top spot this season because Zavarian, uh, of course, they go out and lose to St. John's Prep. St. John's Prep is still the only team that's beaten Zavarian this year, as a matter of fact. The Hawks are now 7-2-3, and three, I believe is their mark. Uh, still a very good team and a very worthy team for that top spot, but I think Based on the what have you done for me lately, I think Catholic Memorial is going to rise to the top despite having three losses. Uh, they've gone out and taken care of business this week. They tied St. John's Prep and Hingham. Another. As a matter of fact, CM has tied three straight games. Uh, they tied Zavarian back on January the 15th, Hingham last Saturday, and St. John's Prep last night. So I guess if you don't lose, you, you're going to rise to the top in these rankings. I do love Arlington there at number three, and I think they're going to rise up to number two in the latest rankings, if I were to uh, guess, based on their tie with Pope Francis the other day. Uh, the Spy Ponders, they've almost flown a little under the radar this year, it, despite being so good, despite having the only MIAA player committed to a Division One school currently in Anthony, Missouri at Northeastern. Uh, but their schedule is about to get really tough. They've got Burlington on Saturday night, uh, followed by Stoneham. But then they got Redding uh, the night before the Super Bowl. They get BC High that following week. They get Hingham that following Sunday. They got Winchester on there. And they close with Braintree. So there's a lot of opportunities for Arlington to, you know, get noticed even more than they already have been. Because they play these two games with Pope Francis. Uh, also have another game in there with Redding. Other than that, though, and, um, you know, Winchester as well. you got to give respect to Winchester as the uh, defending Division One North champion. Uh, the Spy Ponders, we're going to learn a lot just how good this year's team is over the second half of the season. So I love them in that number two spot right now. Rounding out the top five, I don't know what to do with BC High because it's not like they're losing to bad teams. They're losing to very good teams. I mean, we're talking the cream of the crop. 
when you go out and lose to Zaveri, and you lose to CM, and you lose to St. John's Prep. But if you're theoretically only the fourth best team in the Catholic Conference, and right now they're tied for third uh, with a 2-2-1 two, two mark in league play with Zaveri, you know, how do you stay in the top five of the top 20 rankings when there are teams outside the league that are doing great things right now? Um, Hingham, certainly a case to be made. They could move up a little bit after tying Catholic Memorial and St. Mary's over the last couple of days. Um, Burlington, uh, well, I was ready to have them up in the top five, and then they lost to Malden Catholic the other day. Certainly, you know, a, a big win for the Lancers, a team that's now beaten Burlington and Hingham, which this time a season ago would have been unheard of. That's a testament to Chris Kucher and the culture he's instilled there in less than half a season or about half a season at this point. So it's a topsy-turvy uh, top 20, especially up top. I think CM is going to get the top spot, but it's been kind of a curse in the early going. Yeah, it certainly has the Madden curse feel to it. Um, you know, you look like a St. Mary's Lynn uh, is up exactly. there. And then they, you know, and then they fall to Austin Prep. Um, you know, Austin Prep, <laughs> here's something kind of a, an un... I guess it would be the storyline that Twitter might be talking about, but might not be necessarily out in the, um, you know, in the, in the main media that are covering games. Um, the flu bug is just absolutely, yep. absolutely decimating teams. Um, Austin Prep had uh, had eight regular skaters out against St. John Shrewsbury. Uh, it's tough to win hockey games. Um, it's tough to get kids rest in the middle of a season when the flu is going through through your team like that. Uh, next thing you know, you're dressing a bunch of JV kids, and, and, and they can't compete at the same level. No, and you know what Austin Prep is capable of at full strength. They tied Zavarian in one of those weird endowment games. But then they beat Hingham. They shut out Hingham. They shut out Central Catholic, the resurgent Raiders, right after that. And they also have a win over St. Mary's Lynn on their record, only a 1-0 loss to Pope Francis. So at full strength, this is a very good Austin Prep team. That's to take nothing away from St. John Shrewsbury. But if you have those eight skaters available for Austin Prep, you got to think things and they've been a little different. And this also terrifies me as somebody who's around the rinks all the time, that the flu bug's knocking people out left and right. I, I just hope that uh, it doesn't make its way to the broadcast booth. Well, you know, I think one of the things that we have going for us in the broadcast booth is we're not sharing water bottles. Um, that, that really is the biggest issue here, right? Um, that, you know, as a coach, no matter uh, how good a job you do, um, getting bottles out, um, you know, keeping them clean, uh, in the end it comes down to the kids trying to, you know, be smart about their their own health, and let, let's be serious. We're talking about fourteen to eighteen year old boys here. So, uh, having once been one of those, and and I think you can attest to the same. You know, sometimes we don't necessarily think long term about uh, you know um, staying healthy and worrying about who's got the flu and who doesn't on the team. Um, you know, there were times where we had cases of water bottles that we brought out. Um, you know, like Poland spring bottles we'd bring out under the bench. Um, as, as the flu bug starts to kind of hit your team. Um, so looking at that top, at that top five, um, of the boys rankings, you know, teams like a team like Canton still undefeated, uh, still unbeaten, I should say 10, Oh, and two, um, they've allowed 15 goals in 12 games. You know, they are in the mix, uh, as far as I'm concerned, um, you know, 35, Oh, and three over the last 38 games. It's pretty good. Yeah, and you know, a, lo a lot of people would say, hey, they're well, they're playing in the Hawk, but uh, their non-league schedule is as tough as anyone else's in Division I, uh, and they're a Division II sure. team. 
Well, they've, you know, in within the Hawk, they've already beaten Franklin once. Franklin, if, you know, probably the second best team in the Hawk after Canton. Uh, they play again on Saturday night or Saturday afternoon at the Canton Ice House. That'll be a really good game. That's in Canton this time, 355 at the Ice House. Uh, they went out and beat Westwood 7-0, a very good Westwood team. They tied Shrewsbury, you know, resurgent Division One program. Uh, beat Mask and Omit, very good Division Two team. They tied Duxbury, and I know that that game was decided in the final minute, 10 seconds. Canton got two goals with the extra attacker on, but hey, you know, passed the test. Um, 5-2 win over Newburyport just the other day. Newburyport, a Division One team. So Canton, they're, they're playing whoever is thrown in front of them. They have a few more really exciting games down the stretch. They've got, in addition to Franklin this Saturday, they've got Barnstable on the Cape on February the 3rd. That's a Division One team. That's a big test. They host Lincoln Sudbury, a fellow Division Two power, February the 12th. That's at the Canton Ice House. And then that Saturday, the beginning of the Buddy Ferreira Classic, they host, or sorry, they're at Braintree, a Division One team with some Super 8 aspirations. So, very exciting schedule, followed by Boston Latin, of course, right after that, a Division Two power. So, there's no guarantees Ken makes it through this thing unscathed without a loss, but I really like the schedule they've put together for themselves to impress not only the state, but the Super 8 committee in what they might be looking for in a resume. You have games against Duxbury and Braintree on your schedule this year that you didn't have last year. I'm drawing a blank if they had Barnstable last year. They might have had them. They might not have. Let's say they didn't. That's three really, really good Division I teams, uh, obviously one of them being the defending Division I state champions. If Canton goes unbeaten again, and I'm not saying they have to go, you know, they can't, they can't even tie from this point. If they go... You know, let's say they finish up 18-0-4. I'm, I'm putting them in the Super 8 this year. Yeah, I, I can't see any reason why not. Do you think that that's Brian Schumann's like, end goal is the Super 8? I haven't talked to him about that, so I don't know. And it's not um, like he's going to reveal that to anybody either, right? Outside, no, outside of his assistant coaches and, you know, uh, m- you know, maybe talk to his captains about that. That's not even something you would talk about in public. But, but looking at that schedule, the way it's built and, and, and their, their conference play, um, I mean, you'd, ha- you'd be hard-pressed not to believe that that's an opportunity for them. I don't doubt it. Um, I do know that after the Duxbury game, when Kenton played Duxbury, I was talking with John Blake, and he said, you know, obviously, now, you know, disclaimer, John Blake's a Canton guy. He you know, went to Canton High, coaches youth hockey with uh, Brian Schumann. So there's a relationship there. But John Blake said, you know, after what happened to Brian last year, we wanted to help him out. You know, without saying much else, I think that's a reference to their schedule, their non-league schedule, which was still pretty good last year. It wasn't this good. But I think that's a case of they're beefing up the schedule just in case they're good enough again. Now, they did graduate Ryan Nolte, who had 71 points last year. But you bring back John Hagen, and you still have Chris Lavoie, Tommy Ghostlaw, some guys like that. They're still every bit as talented as last year's team. Also graduated the great goaltender, Michael Staffieri. So I think this schedule was sort of, you know, just in case we're good enough to make a run at going unbeaten again, we'll catch the eye of the Super 8 committee. And if not, we'll go win Division 2 again. Yeah, so uh, I don't disagree with any of those points. Let's take a look at, uh, at at what we saw. You and I did a game this past Monday. We did two, actually. It was the Green Cup 
between Marshfield and Duxbury, kind of a unique situation. Both towns come together uh, from peewee all the way through adult hockey. Uh, they have games all day on Monday. So they start off with all these peewee games in rink two at Hobbamock and Pembroke. Uh, and then uh, we go up through uh, JV hockey, uh, boys and girls, varsity. Um, and then we also have uh, a, a first responders game between Marshfield and Duxbury. But we did the boys and the girls games. The girls game was, was a bit of a laugher early on. Um, with you know, and and I think it was a seven-one final in the end. Uh, but the boys' game, um, the girls took away all the offense. The boys had none, but it was as exciting a zero-zero tie as you would see in high school hockey. That was a really good game, Marshfield, which has kind of been struggling to find their way this year. They were three-three and three entering that game. They actually outshot Duxbury thirty-eight to twenty-one in that game, and they likely would have won that game if not for Steve Pisani, the backbone of last year's Duxbury Division One state champion. Uh, he's been even better this year, and I mean, you saw, Brandon, there were how many highlight reel saves he made in that third period alone, just leaving Marshfield flummoxed, but the Rams have nothing to be ashamed of either, getting a point against a very good Duxbury team to improve to 3-3-4, three, three, and four on the season and actually winning last night against Barnesville. So now they're four, three and four. Uh, it's been a good week for Marshfield. And I think uh, for all of their shortcomings, potentially on the offensive end, they're starting to find out they've got themselves a really good goalie in Aiden Healy, who posted the first shutout of his career against Duxbury. And he followed that out with his second career shutout against a very good Barnstable team. So Marshfield, we know that they always have their eyes towards the super eight as well. I'm not sure if they have quite the uh, resume at this point to make another run at it for what would be the second time in three years. But, hey, what happened that one year they didn't get in in the last three? They went to the Garden and the, as the Division One South champion. So Marshfield, because they still have a lot of guys who've been there, done that, played in these games, whether it's Griffin Mudge, Timmy Doyle, Kevin Moriarty, John Jordan back on the blue line. Uh these guys know how to win, and once they get into a tournament setting, and here's betting that they do, despite there being around 500 right now, I wouldn't want to see Marshfield on my bracket line, uh, especially if Healy continues to round into form. Right, and you would expect that uh, you know, as they become more stout defensively, the offense will find itself. Uh, the nightcap on Monday was, Mar uh, was Burlington versus Malden Catholic. Yeah, that was... Um, so Burlington... For as good as their record is, they've, I don't want to say struggled with closing teams out, but they've been in a lot of one-goal games. And really, the way Bob Concesion put it, I saw Burlington play Hingham a couple weeks ago, and it was one of the only games that they won by a relatively comfortable margin. It was 3-0. You know, nothing's ever comfortable against Hingham, but it was 3-0. They've been in all these one-goal games, whether it was 3-2 over Wilmington, 6-5 against Melrose, 4-2 uh, against Newburyport. I know that's two goals. 6-5 over Bill Ricca, 2-1 uh, against Winchester. A lot of one-goal games where they've either had to scrap and claw to rebuild a one-goal lead in the third period, or they've let a team back in in the third period. And I guess maybe it just caught up with them for one day against Malden Catholic, and so I wasn't at the game. I didn't see exactly what happened. I think, A, it shows Malden Catholic with their wins now against Hingham and Burlington that, you know, things are changing. They're 3-4-1. and one. They've only played eight games. So the door is not completely slammed shut on them getting into the tournament, uh, the Division One North tournament at this point, which would be an incredible story. But they also they have tied St. John's Prep, and we've talked about St. John's Prep and some of their wins 
in ties at this juncture, and they're proving they belong in games against BC High, losing only 4-2 to the Eagles after one of their games last year was 15-1. to uh, So on that note, I'm very excited for the BC Malden Catholic game tonight. It shows about Burlington that maybe it was a little wake-up call that they needed. I don't think that Malden Catholic is going to be considered a bad loss for them if the Super 8 is their ultimate goal uh, towards the end of the season. That head-to-head win over Hingham is going to do wonders for them. And the only other loss for Burlington was way back in their season opener over Woburn. They ran off, what would that be, 10 straight wins uh, before losing to MC. So opportunities are still there for the Red Devils, again, if that's their goal to get into the Super 8, beginning with Arlington on Saturday in a game that's on My Hockey Live. Uh, have Barnstable, which is always a fun game, February 12th. They've got the Cahoon Cup, where they could face Framingham, potentially. We know Framingham has its eyes on the Super 8. And another a Walpole team on February 3rd, you know, a good Walpole team that probably isn't going to the Super 8, but it's going to be a great Division One South tournament team. So Burlington still has opportunities. There's no need to panic for them. And they've got one of the best players in the state in Ryan O'Halloran. So things will take care of themselves for the Red Devils. Yeah, so kind of bookending that conversation with Burlington, we've got sort of a Super Saturday coming up this weekend on My Hockey Live. We've got uh, the day starts early on uh, with Zavarian and Malden Catholic. I believe it's at 1 o'clock, uh, followed by Sh- uh, St. John's Shrewsbury versus Hingham, uh, and then a double header of Burlington versus Arlington boys and girls. It's a great day on My Hockey Live, isn't it? It's, it's, and this is what's been so exciting this season, is that sometimes we've only had one game on a Wednesday or Saturday. I don't think we've had fewer than two games on any of these big days, Wednesdays or Saturdays recently. And really, it's been three or four games a day. And the fact that we're able to sprinkle in one-off games on Thursday and Friday, days that traditionally are very light on the high school hockey schedule, has been very exciting. So I'm going to be at the Hingham St. John's Shrewsbury game. Hingham and St. John's, a couple of independents, teams that are right above 500, that each of them could use... I guess a signature win. We talked atop this broadcast or podcast, whatever form of media this is, about Hingham, uh, you know, having some signature ties against Saint, uh, Catholic Memorial, St. Mary's Lynn. You know, knowing Tony Messina the way I do, they're, they're not in the business of signature ties. They want some signature wins. I don't know if St. John's Shrewsbury would be a signature win, but it would be a very good win for Hingham team that, you know, they need to pull away from this 500 mark. And, create a little separation in time for uh, what's to come down in Falmouth, where we'll really learn if they're Super 8 caliber this season. Yeah, and then um, the two Burlington and Arlington games um, will be exciting. Those will be awesome. Yeah, you know, I love the back-to-back. I love when the the athletic directors are able to organize that. Uh, It's hard... It's hard to do in high school hockey because it's based on ice time, as, you know, all of our listeners know. Um, Whereas, as opposed to, say, like in basketball... It's a lot easier to say, like, okay, well, you know, let's flip our home games so we can do these double headers, and we'll do boys and girls at the same time. We'll just send all of our JV players off to your school, and you bring all the varsity team over, and we'll do a double header. Um, it gets that extra. There's that extra jump right uh, in the air. If it's the girls first, you see, you know, people start to come in for the girls game and then stay for the boys game, or you know, the boys game finishes up and all those people are still there for the girls game. It's great for both schools. Uh, it's great for their programs. It's great f- to grow the game in your town. These are both public schools. Uh, it's great. F- this is one of those things where it's like the, um, you know, the athletic directors should organize the youth hockey program and say, like, listen, here's what we're doing. You wear your jersey, you get in for free. 
Um, yep. come, come see two really great hockey games. Cheer, cheer like crazy. It'll be a great time. Um, that's the kind of community stuff I love about high school hockey. Well, that's a great call with where your jerseys get in for free. I think that's an outstanding idea. Yeah, I know Oliver Ames does that a lot in Brockton. They'll do a youth hockey day every year, and you know you wear a youth hockey jersey, and everybody comes in for free. It's it's an, and it's a nice atmosphere. It creates more of a, you know, not to say that high school hockey isn't a family friendly environment. It sure is compared to you know say uh, going to, going sitting in the three hundreds at a Bruins game, but um, the 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 atmosphere there is is even more fun. The kids get way into it, and they're you know banging on the glass and you know looking for autographs after the game from high school kids who have no idea what to do with that. <laughs> Uh, with that situation, you know, uh, but it, it does create a fun atmosphere. I'm all about that. Yeah. Um, so let's touch on two professional hockey thoughts here before we before we finish up. Um, number one, the Bruins are heading into the All-Star break as the number one seed in the East um, or, or at the top of the East, number one in their division. Um, certainly with glaring weaknesses, um, not on the defensive end. It seems as though they've got a, a extraordinary depth in the defense. Um, goaltending right now is certainly a question with Tuka Rask out um, and the need for secondary scoring, as we've said uh, in the previous three episodes of this podcast. And uh, everyone that calls into the Sports Hub um, that doesn't want to trade Tuka Rask wants them uh, to get some sort of extra scoring. What whoa, 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 whoa. We talked about trade Tuka Rask? No, 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 no. This is the, the, the Boohoo Tuka crew. Of is course. the you of know, course. is the, the trade Tuka Rask and it's the meme of SpongeBob. Um I, I am not I am not of that crew. I am a no. wholehearted Tuka supporter. Uh yeah. I what I I I struggle with right now is that that it seems as though there's a growing chorus of is this the right coach for this group? Um, given some of the collapses they've had this season in the midst, in the middle of this season, that really, really bothers me. Well, it's been there have been some horrible losses, and not in terms of the opponent, but blowing that 4-0 lead in the third period at home against Florida. That was a month and a half ago at this point. Uh, Sunday, and you know, this is I was talking with one of my friends about this. The home and home with Pittsburgh, I would have been very happy with a split. But it's the way the split happened where you have a 3-0 lead on the road against the Penguins and you wind up losing 4-3. That can't happen, but come on. this is they, they talk a lot about the NFL being a copycat league, and now the NHL has seemingly become this copycat league where a team goes into a little rut where they lose maybe 4 out of 5. Oh, let's fire the coach. It'll work things out. I can't believe Vegas did that to Gerard Gallant uh, less than two years after he led them to the Stanley Cup. Uh, final in their first season ever. Uh, Vegas gets what they deserve. I hope they finish in last place in the Pacific now. I don't know how doable that is. The Kings are pretty horrible. So are the Ducks. But I hope it doesn't work for them. And I hope he lands on his feet with a Seattle NHL team that comes in in 2021, 20, I believe. Yes. 21, 22. The Kraken. Yeah, I don't know why we're waiting so long. You know, <laughs> this could be a, a topic for a future podcast. What should the Seattle NHL team be called? I've I want I want Thunderbirds. I want to go back to Seattle Thunderbirds as the I, the old IHL franchise or the Seattle Kraken just because it's a cool name. Oh, see, I want the Seattle Pilots like the old baseball team that would that was be there cool for too. one year. Yeah, that would be pretty cool too. Um, so so the Bruins ter- certainly have some issues here looking at um, at what is on the roster. Uh, it seems like they're they're moving some guys up from Providence to give some auditions uh, to see if they are this if if they will be the difference. You know, if it's Anton Bleed or if it's um, Jeremy Lausanne. 
I personally, I think they're both trade bait. Um, that that seems to be my that's of my opinion. I don't know how you feel about that. Well, it depends what you want to get back. You know, you've heard Chris Kreider's name mentioned a lot, the former uh, Masconomic Chieftain, as well as uh, well, he's BC, right? Kreider. I always get this yeah. mixed up. Yep. I shouldn't. Yep. Um, you got Wayne Simons potentially down out of New Jersey. I feel like he's been a name bandied about for a couple of years now. You got Tyler Toffoli out in Los Angeles. Um, I was reading Kevin Paul DuPont in the Globe a few weeks ago, and he just threw out the name of Joe Thornton. And I know that he's 40 years old at this point, and I know uh, that you know he's been in San Jose for 15 years now, but can you imagine Joe Thornton back in Boston almost 15 years after they traded him for basically a bag of hockey pucks plus Wayne Primo, Brad Stewart, and Marco Sturm? And I do like Marco Sturm. Don't get me wrong, but... Uh, that would be a really cool story. And I don't know if that was just throwing it out there for fun or what, but that really got me buzzing. I don't think Joe Thornton gets you any closer to a Stanley Cup, however. I think a guy like Kreider, that'd be a pretty fun, uh, it'd be a fun one. And you already got Chris Wagner and uh, Charlie Coyle and Matt Grizzlick out there. So why not just get another uh, Massachusetts kid? Yeah, I personally like Toffoli. I think he's the way to go. He fits their mold of that sort of rugged scorer. Uh, I want a Nathan Horton type. That's what I want. Sure. Uh, so uh, the last thing I want to talk about, Baseball Hall of Fame announcement was just, just came out uh, a day or two ago now. Um, Derek Jeter, you know, surefire first ballot Hall of Famer, almost unanimous. He was off off one ballot. Absolutely no problem with that. A good Canadian boy, second good Canadian boy, into the goes into the Baseball Hall of Fame uh, is Larry Walker. Um, but, you know, it, we talk about Hall of Fames. Everyone has questions about who goes into a Hall of Fame. People have questions about Larry Walker. You have a question about a Hockey Hall of Famer. Yeah, you know, we're going to complain about Larry Walker going into the Hall of Fame. Well, you know what? I'd rather Larry Walker in the Baseball Hall of Fame than Gary Bettman in the Hockey Hall of Fame. He oversaw not one, not two, but three work stoppages. I know that they now have a great national TV deal with NBC. Do you remember what channel the NHL was on, though, when they came out of that 0405 lockout? Uh, I believe it was the Outdoor Life Network. That is correct, the Outdoor Life Network. He continues to water down outdoor games now, by the way, with all these 20 outdoor games a year, uh, pulling the NHL out of the Olympics. You know, the Southern expansion has sort of been a mixed bag. Yes, you've had success stories in Nashville, and for now, they... Vegas, Tampa Bay, maybe Dallas. And Carolina. But, uh, yes, Carolina. Extent. They won a Stanley Cup, but they have been last in the league in attendance for the last five years now. Really not seeing a big uptick. Interesting. Arizona, the fact that they're still in existence after the NHL originally bought them out of bankruptcy uh, 11 years ago is a disgrace. The Florida Panthers, who've actually yeah, I got a pretty good team going right now. They're third place in the Atlantic. Get these teams to some markets that care. Sunbelt expansion worked. You got your team in Tampa Bay. You got some teams in Southern California. Nashville and Vegas are cool cities. They're going to work with or without the NHL. So I like that the NHL is there for now. Let's see what happens when those teams go on an inevitable downturn, though, like Vegas already is. You know, we'll see what happens. So. Uh, end of the day, Gary Bettman, Hockey Hall of Famer, that really grinds my gears far more than any of these Baseball Hall of Famers. Uh, the only reason the NHL really was able to survive after that 0405 lockout is because they got two generational talents coming in that very year in Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin. Similar in a sense to how Larry Bird and Magic Johnson sort of revitalized the NBA in the 80s. Uh, 
Gary Bettman can thank Ovechkin and Crosby for these TV deals he's been able to secure. All right, that's my two cents with Kent Brockman. Um, (laughs) As we move on, uh, we will. Uh, we've got some great games coming up this weekend, so um, check out our broadcast schedule on myhockeylive.com. Jake, where can people find your work right now? On Twitter at Jake T Levin. Um, you know, doing some Boston Globe stuff uh, for high school. Still doing NBC Boston uh, for the Patriots, and you know, a million other places between here, there, and everywhere. All right. Well, that does it for the My Hockey Life podcast. Oh, and, and last yes. thing, tonight we're doing the Malden Catholic BC High broadcast. Of course. 515 at the Clark Athletic Center. That'll be you and I on the call. That'll be great. Can't wait for it myself. Uh, that'll do it for the My Hockey Life podcast. We will be back here next week.